Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Don here, and I am the senior pastor of Light Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. And we come to you tonight for Bible study. I'm so excited about what God is doing. We're learning about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, God is a good God, and He is worthy of all the praise all of the honor and all of the glory. We're going to go ahead and get started tonight. Father God, we just thank and praise you tonight for you are a great and mighty God and you are greatly to be praised. There is none like you. We thank you for your presence. We celebrate you for your majesty. And we just thank you, Father God, for the journey that you have us on. You're going to be sure that we get this. (laughs) We're going to get this thing. Boy, I tell you, God, you are a an amazing God. And we thank you. We thank you for allowing us to make it through the day that no hurt, harm, or danger has come nigh our dwelling. We thank you, Lord God, that we are the righteousness of Christ. And Father God, we thank you that miracles, signs, and wonders follow us as your children. We thank you that you have given us power and the authority to grasp your word. We celebrate you that we hunger and thirst after your righteousness. My God, you are a mighty God. You are an awesome God. You are righteous and holy in all your ways. Father God, I pray for those who are under the sound of my voice, especially my children, as we have come together for this Bible study tonight. Father God, I ask that you will touch their bodies and touch their situation and circumstances, Lord God. Let there be nothing missing or broken in their lives, Lord Jesus, if they stand in need of anything. Father, I ask that you will meet their needs. Give them the boldness, Lord God, to know who they are in Christ. Oh, Father God, that they can call those things that be not as though they are. Father God, we thank you that you know the thoughts that you think towards us, thoughts of good and not evil, to give us an expected end. We thank you for your majesty and your glory. We celebrate you for your sovereignty. Father God, let us line up with your perfect will for our lives as we begin to uh, continue with this journey, not begin the journey, but as we continue in this journey to get to know you through your word. Father God, make it come alive in our lives. Let it become real in our lives. Oh, Father God, we thank you for your power. We celebrate you for your word. And just like, Father God, you call those things, Lord God, you you ordained them to be in our lives. And we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you have given us the same authority. We will begin to walk by faith and not by sight to begin to call things to come to pass as we declare and decree them in our lives. Oh my God, this tongue ain't going to be tied up tonight. The devil is a liar. Father God, help us to forget about ourselves and concentrate on you. Forget about the worries and the cares of this world as we just get our focus on you. We want to keep our focus on you. Father God, now we ask that you will reign throughout this Bible study, Lord Jesus. Hide us that you can be seen in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. Hey, India. (laughs) D, can you hear us? All right. All right. All right. Praise God. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to go ahead and and get started. Once again, we started before, but I don't know what was going on with me. My brain wasn't functioning right. 
but now I'm on the ball. I feel my help. Uh, I feel, I know. <laughs> I feel my help. My God, what a mighty God we serve. So anyway, we have come to this place and space and, and you guys know we've been journeying uh, throughout the Bible. So we learned what? We learned about the uh the origin, we learned about the creation, the creation when God created the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells therein. We learned about Adam and Eve and we learned about the fall and we learned about the serpent and the promise that God made that he would bring redemption into the world and that we would have a savior. He made that promise even at the beginning. We learned about Cain and Abel and how they had their sibling rivalry and how Cain murdered his brother because he was envious of the um, the obedience that, that his brother uh, walked in and how he got favor from God because of his obedience. Amen. Then we learned about um, Noah and the ark and the flood and how God had to come and destroy the land. Why? Because they just became so evil. And those angels came down and started mating with you know, with the humans and all of that. So it was just a bunch of evil going on in the land. And so then we learned about Job and how Job had his trials and tribulations and how he had his challenges and his friends turned their backs on him and they thought that God was judging him. But we learned about the sovereignty of God and how God sees things. He he don't see them like we see them. And he wasn't punishing Job, but he was leveraging Job's faith, right? As an example to the enemy to let him know, oh, you thought you had somebody. Let me show you somebody that you can use. And so we learned about Job. And uh, then we learned about Abraham, right? Remember, we learned about Abraham and and Sarah, Ab- Abram and Sarai, right? Remember, uh, we learned about how they had faith in God and God made them a promise. God called Abraham to come from amongst his, his father's land and to come from amongst his kinfolk. And so Abraham followed half of what God told him to do. He came from out of his father's land because they were a bunch of uh, idol worshipers. And so he, he came from amongst them, but he brought with him his nephew Lot. And so you remember how, you know, Abraham, he wasn't the most honest person and he leveraged his wife's beauty and, and he went to, to different places and told people that, that she wasn't his wife. Remember that? And then, uh, he, he got material gain because of her beauty and, and then they settled, you know, and, and came together as the family, Abraham and, and, um, Abraham and Lot, right? And they they were uh what we say flipping flipping they, their their gain and and they had made so much uh um uh prosperity, right? Because what were they? They were uh agricultural, you know, uh what you call them? What's the word I'm looking for? Where where you know, they, they had all of the land and, and feed and all of that stuff. And, and they had grown so far that 
that it wasn't enough land to sustain them. They were cattlemen and, and, and agricultural men. So they had gained so much that it wasn't enough uh, for for both of them, right? So they had to separate. And so they separated. And, and of course, Lot went on to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember, it was a, it was a battle. It was a war. And Lot was taken captive. And what Abraham do? He came for his nephew. He said, not today. And he, he, he rescued him. And he gave a tenth of uh, what he had acquired to Abimelech, right? Remember that? He was Abimelech. He was the high priest uh, of, of their time. And so he gave him a tenth. And that's where a lot of our tradition to tithe uh, is tied to that act that he did uh, when he gave a tenth uh, in, in uh, honor of obedience, you know, and, and wanting to to get, um, you know, the priest to bless it, you know. And so anyway, Lot and his family, we remember they were in Sodom and Gomorrah and it was a lot of evil going on there. And, and God told Abraham that I could hear the cries of the people all the way up here in heaven. And it's so horrible that I'm going to go down here and see what's going on. And he decided he was going to wipe them all out. You remember he said, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. And that's exactly what he did. He sent his angels down and they sent down fire and brimstone and wiped them out. But as the angels had to pull them out of there, because Lot and his family, they were too attached to the material things that they had. As the angels tried to pull them out of there, um, his wife, you know, remember how she was leaving and then she turned around and looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt and we were kicking that ideal around and we said, well, salt preserves things. So maybe that was representative of her trying to preserve the sin and the attachment that they had to the sin and God had to kill it off. And then we learned that the daughters tried to rape their daddy and, you know, they, they succeeded in uh, procreating through their father, but they were in fear. They thought that the world was over, so they felt like, hey, if we don't do this, we ain't going to have nobody else. So anyway, they were crazy and dysfunctional. And, you know, still in the Bible, I'm still I'm trying to find that saintly person that, that we try to be every day, you know, <laughs> and we can't even find them in the Bible. But anyway, um, what was the next part, Mary? Who who came next? So we got Lot and and Sarah, Sarah and and um, Abraham, and then they had Isaac. So that brings us to where we are in our study today. And so God had made a promise to Abraham and Sarah, and He promised them that they would have a child. And we remember. When he first made the promise, who who laughed first? You remember? Sarah. Abraham. Oh, Abraham. He laughed. He laughed when, when the angels came or, or they say that they were men, but we know they were angels. When they came and, and declared it, he laughed. And then uh, Sarah laughed. The difference between the laugh, laughter was that uh, Sarah lied. <laughs> she was like, I didn't laugh, but she thought she laughed. But anyway... Uh, they wind up having Isaac, 
And in between that time, in between the promise, you remember what happened? When God made the promise to them, he said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he said, through through their bloodline together. And what did Sarah do? Right. He had she had her have a baby with the with the handmaid handmaiden. Um and then she wound up getting an attitude with her because she just was acting true to form. Once she got pregnant, she just got all snooty, like, oh well, I got your man now. You know, I don't know. I could I'll tell you every time I think about that, I could not it couldn't be me. It could look, God, God said you are gonna be the father of many nations. I ain't tell you nothing. Now you touch her here if you oh I'm sorry, I went into a space. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, so she wind up, uh, telling him they got to go, they got to go. But do you remember what happened that, that really frustrated her, uh, to where she told her, cause the first time, the first time Hagar left on her own accord, cause she got sick of the way Sarah was treating her and God sent her back. He said, go back and I want you to, uh, Trust me. He said, trust me. I'm I'm going to take care of you and your son, but I need you to go back because this is part of my order. But do you remember when Sarah told Abraham they got to go? Why? Because uh, the first son was making fun of Isaac. I mean, like, how dare you? You're going to make fun of my son as big as you are. And we were doing the numbers and the count. It seemed like he was in his 20s and and. That was just a little baby. You know, he probably was like five or six years old. You up here making fun of him. Nope. Bye. You and your man. I mean, oops, sorry. Wrong wrong uh, recording. I probably can't go there. <laughs> but anyway, so, so this is just a, a background of everything that we went through. So now leading up to where we are today, um, when we get into... Genesis and chapter 21, this is where God began the process of testing Abraham. Because if you remember, if we go on to uh, chapter 22, that's where the that's where the test happened. But in chapter 21, when we started reading it, it was just recanting how uh, God had made the promise and it helped us to understand that Abraham at that time was a hundred years old and Sarah was 90. So they were real old. And so they named Isaac laughter. And so they both laughed together uh, because they felt like what God had promised them was impossible to be done. They felt like it was impossible, but what they learned through that whole process was that there is nothing, absolutely nothing impossible for God or nothing too hard for God. And this increased their faith because they understood that they can trust God. If God said it, if God said it, he's going to do it and he will do it the way that he said he would do it. And the one thing that I took away from that story that amazed me when I really ponder or think about it is the fact that when God, even when Sarah went around God to do things her way, he never took back the promise. He never took back the promise because he said, if I said it, 
I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it the way that I said I was going to do it. All right. So when we get into chapter 22, a lot of years have passed, right? A lot of years have passed. And at this point, Isaac is a young man. And so the parents grew to love him and they favored him and they loved him so much because he was the manifestation of the promise that God had given him. And so uh, God uh, instructed Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And so he told him, he said, I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to give him back to me, but I need you to sacrifice his life. And Abraham understood and knew what that meant. And so he went to Isaac and he told him, he said, look, I need to take you somewhere. And when we get there, I want you to uh, offer up a burnt offering. And so he prepped his son and told his son that they were going to go and give up a burnt offering to God. And this is how he got him on the path of the journey. Little did he know that he was going to be that birth, I mean, that, that burnt offering. And that God was actually testing Abraham's faith. And God wasn't testing Abraham's faith because God didn't know uh, where Abraham stood. He was testing Abraham's faith so that Abraham understood where Abraham stood. It is so important when God has called us to much things. The Bible tells us to whom much is given, much is required. And so when God has called us to greatness, sometimes he got to expose us to us. Some of the things that we think we just couldn't do, and God has to show us, oh, yes, you can. And it's so vitally important that when you are walking by faith and God has placed so much authority in your hands that you have to have faith. It just it can't be no mouth service. You got to know that you know that you know. And this is why God uh, tested him. And not just so that he could demonstrate his own uh where he stood with God or, or where he stood with in his faith, but also so that we could have an example. We could have an example of what true trust in God and what true uh, faith looked like, okay? So even in um, Abraham's obedience, one of the things that we learned is that God was in right standing to even ask Abraham to do that level of sacrifice. Why? Because God is the creator of all beings and he is the giver of life. So he's the only one that could uh, command or demand that somebody take another life because he gave life so he could take it away however he pleases. Okay. So Abraham He didn't necessarily understand why God asked him to kill his son. But if you if you read your word, he didn't question me either. He I I would have been asking some questions. I'm just going to be honest if it was one of my kids. So I thank God for the example that I ain't got to walk through it. But uh, yeah, that was a little unexpected, you know, but Abraham still believed God and he believed not only would God make a way, but he believed that God would keep his promises 
to make a great nation of the descendants of Isaac. Because remember, uh, earlier when God said that he was going to send the blessing through Isaac. So you tell me you're going to send the blessing through Isaac and then turn around and now I got to sacrifice him. But there was something in Abraham that said, God, hey, if God said it, he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. And Abraham trusted God so much that he prepared the sacrifice. He prepared the sacrifice. He did everything. He tied up his son. He put him up there. and He was ready to, uh, to, to kill him, even to the point that he even raised the dagger. He was about to bring it down. <laughs> and, what it, and what happened? He heard a rustling. And see, all of this stuff, we, we listened to the word before we started going into study. So it's fresh on our mind. He heard a rustling in the bush, and it was a ram in there waiting to be sacrificed. And and not only, God didn't stop there because he said, well, wait a minute, if, if Abraham don't get it right, he could still kill Isaac. So he sent his angel to, uh, to bring him a word. But this was the other thing that we learned and we studied is that the journey for them took three days. It was a three-day journey. And during that time, I can imagine the conversation that went on between father and son, you know, and Abraham still knowing the, the, what he had been commissioned to do by God, but he was still telling his son, which it wasn't, it, he wasn't dishonest with him. They did have to burn a sacrifice. He just was withholding the truth and not telling him that he was the sacrifice. But they journeyed to a mountain in Moriah. And that's where God told Abraham that he needed to perform the sacrifice. And and the significance of that is that that is the very mountain. It's the same mountain where Jesus Christ died and he sacrificed his life over 1900 years later. So it was the same place where Jesus actually died. So God was showing us even then that he had a plan, but he had a, a um, alternative to uh, Isaac, but Jesus was the lamb. He was the sacrifice for us. All right. So Abraham and his son, they went up to the mountain to make the sacrifice and they noticed uh, that there was no animal. God did not provide the animal when they got up there, but he had the wood and the fire waiting right there. And so at this point, I can just imagine Abraham was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Where's the lamb? Where is the lamb? But he determined that God will provide. And what that reminds me of is when Jesus died, all up until the time that Jesus died, I never read anywhere in the Bible where he questioned God's will. Because he even said, not my will, Lord, let your will be done. But it was up until that point where he actually was going from transitioning from this world to the next. And he said, Abba, Father, why have thou forsaken me? And it was that moment in time 
that I believe relates back to the moment where Abraham believed God up until that point that he got up there and he was ready to make that sacrifice. He's on that mountain. And he said, well, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? And God reminded him and he said, surely God will provide. All right. So we learned about that. And we, oh, the other thing that I talked about before, I almost forgot, was that the ram who was who was put there for the sacrifice was worthy of the sacrifice. Why? Because he was unblemished. He was unblemished. And so that is, again, another correlation to Christ and Christ being sacrificed on our behalf. He was unblemished and he was perfect and sinless but he made the sacrifice. So God was showing us back then the correlation to what we were to see, excuse me, to come. So so now, after Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice and God gave him a ram as a substitute, we remember that God made a promise to Isaac at that time that he would be the father of, of a great nation. He said, I'm going to make you a father of a great nation. And so it was 40 years later before Abraham actually married, uh, not Abraham, I'm sorry, Isaac married his wife. And Abraham, who was at that time, this is where we got stumped the last time, right, Mary, where I had to stop and like, okay, wait a minute, I'm mixing the story up. But where Abraham and Isaac and Sarah were living at this time, they were in where? Canaan. They were in Canaan with the Canaanites. And so at at the sacrifice, when the sacrifice was made, soon after that, Sarah died, right? And remember, I was saying to me, just from a mother's heart, I wonder if her death had anything to do with her husband taking her son, her only son. This was the only son that she had given birth to after she had been barren for all of those years, praying to God, trusting God, and then God coming and giving her the promise. And then she you know, praying and everything. And God finally allowed her to live the promise. She was, she had a living, breathing, you know, uh, tangible uh, uh, outcome of that promise. And she got to live with him all those years. And now her husband done took him up to sacrifice him to God. And because of her faith in God and knowing that God is a sovereign God, I can imagine that probably put her in a tailspin and she didn't know what to do. And so uh, they said they traveled for three days. So I can imagine coming back, you know, it probably was another three days or whatever, but it probably caused her, you know, to, to, to give up the ghost and, 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 and just die, right? Um, but Abraham wanted to make sure that Isaac preserved 
the, the legacy of that seed. And he did not want him to marry or to mate with the Canaanites. Uh, did we talk about, um, what was the, it was another point I had made before I started over. I don't forget it now. Oh Lord, let it come back to me. All right. So, uh, Abraham sent his servant. He said, I want you to go to my father's land, my father's homeland or my homeland and I want you to find a wife that is suitable for my for my son Isaac. And if you remember, God called Abraham out of his father's land because they were um, uh, idol worshipers and they worshiped false gods. But there must have been a shift in uh, what was going on there because he sent that servant back to find a wife. And now they are in a land of people who who didn't believe. Oh, that was the point I wanted to make about how Abraham, while he received the promise from God and, and the promise was twofold. Did I talk about this yet? About the, the two parts of the promise? I talked about it on the other one, didn't I? But... When, so, so the promise that God gave Abraham, the way that I look at it is it was, it was two parts of the promise. There was one more natural material based promise where God said, I'm going to give you the land as far out as you can see. I'm going to give you the land. So these material blessings, you will realize and, and and you'll have. But there was another part of that promise where it was more, to me, it was more spiritual. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And so your, your seed and your seed seed, they will benefit. But I'm going to do all of this through Isaac. And so, um, when God gave him that promise, the key thing that I picked up on is that Abraham, while he settled in a land, he did not reap the full manifestation of the promise that God had given him. It was not until his son matured and his son's children and their children's children. So, so even uh, Isaac didn't realize the promise to the extent that his next generation did or the following generation. So that was key to me to know that God made a promise through Abraham that his seed, probably three, four generations, you know, and even if we if we count for real, for real, because they went through slavery and all of that before they got to the promise. So, uh, but my point is that God can make a promise to us today. And this is what I believe I'm living out, uh, that I'm not going to realize in my lifetime, but my children and my children's children will realize the promise as we walk in obedience to God's will. So anyway, as 
Abraham, uh, Sarai, or Sarah passed on. So now Isaac is older. He's a grown man. And so Abraham said, it's time for him to get a wife. And so he wanted to make sure that he preserved the, the quality or the standard of the lineage that was to come. So he wanted to purify that lineage or, or at least constrain it to, to what he knew would be good stock. So he told his servant, he said, I want you to go to my my homeland, to my father's land, and I want you to bring me back a wife that is suitable for my son. And so he went out and he went to uh, Abraham's father's land and the servant, uh, he wanted to make sure that he did what he was uh, instructed to do. So he prayed to God. And he asked God, he said, give me a sign. Send me a sign. He said, I want, I want the right person. And if she's here, I want her to not only quench my thirst or give me water. I want her to quench the thirst of my, uh, I think it was a camel, right? I want her to quench the thirst of my camel. That's going to be a way that I know that this one is the one. And so before he even finished his prayer, ain't God something? Before he finished his prayer, here come this lady walking up and she's got her satchel on her shoulder and whatever she's carrying and she's going to the well and drawing the water. And he said, well, can I get something to drink? She said, not only will I give you something to drink, I'll give your, your camel something. He said, oh, she the one, she the one. So then he began to ask her, about her family and, you know, get more information about her family. And she said, well, I'm the daughter of, and start walking through the lineage. And, and, you know, in other words, I'm a part of the clan. You want to come meet my family? So he, she took him to meet her family and, and connected with her brother Laban and Laban, he's going to be important, uh, in, in the upcoming chapters of, of Genesis uh, because he uh, is is um, Leah and um, uh, what's the other daughter name? Uh, no, right. It is Rachel. Rachel. Leah and Rachel's daddy. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, so so he goes there to find a wife for uh, Isaac, okay? And so when he got there, she met all of the qualifications and had the traits that he was looking for. And so now he's ready to take her back. He had given her some, uh, uh, what they say, a, a nose ring and, and some jewelry for her fingers, but he adored her with, with gifts. And so uh, he fixed it with the family so he could take her with them. But the, the, the mother was saying, no, nah, just stay for another 10 days. And he was like, no, nah, I don't want to stay for no 10 days. I'm ready to go. And they said, well, let's ask Rachel how she feel. And boy, I'm telling you, Speedy Gonzalez, she was ready to get up out of there. <laughs> she said, she said, uh, yeah, well, I'm ready to go. 
She said, I'm ready. My bag's been packed for 15 years waiting on him. Where you been? You know? So then he went back and he took her back with him. But before he left, he gave gifts to her family and he gave her gifts. And that's very significant in knowing that she was to be prepared as the mother of many nations. And as she was being um, uh, sought out, God made provision for her as she was coming along her journey. And then there was another key thing that that I talked about with the uh, personalities, with, with, you know, the family traits and family personalities. And to me, the best point of reference that I have is my family. And I know I talked this, didn't I, on the other one? Not on this one, huh? Yeah. Because I get confused sometimes, Mary. You gonna have to. Who we got to keep our regular time? Because when it be getting late at night, my brain just go blah. But anyway, I use as a point of reference the fact that I had a large family, and so what I know about families and family dynamics is that oftentimes there is a remnant. I mean, a remnant, Lord. There is a subculture within the culture of a family. And so most families have a unique identifier, some way that if you say, hey, you know, the the Smiths or, you know, the Sanders or the Courtney's, you know, there's, there's a unique element about them that people, when you say that name, they're gonna think something specific. And so going back to my uh, growing up and being around my family, uh, the identifier for us, whenever you say those Courtney's, the one thing people are going to think is intellects, intellect. Those are some smart people. You know, we heard it all growing up. Oh, they so smart. They so smart. And they put a lot of pressure on us to try to live up to those expectations. You know, but the other side of that is, you know, attitude, you know, because we were some fighters. So, oh, they like to fight, you know. And so so those two traits, and this is just my uh, perspective, my own experience uh, growing up as a Courtney. And so most people have these two identifiers when you think about Courtney's. And so while we we have a range of uh you know the spectrum, right? You 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 may have one that is on the higher end of, of the intellectual spectrum or one who is on the higher end of the fighting or the anger, you know, spectrum, <laughs> you know, and but we all have that identifier somewhere. And the way that you test it is there are certain uh, siblings that I have or family members that I have, and you will look at them, they just as sweet as pie. And you will think to yourself, oh, they would never, oh, they never, you know, have a problem, altercation or anything like that. You get up under them and <laughs> wait till they get mad. That Courtney is coming right on up out of them. Or... Similarly, you know, with, with the intellect, some you might think, oh, you know, they probably ain't got it 
all the way there, you know, like me, right? But you sit up under us and you realize it's it's there. It's there somewhere, you know. And so it manifests itself. The same thing when I think about Rachel, I mean, not Rachel, Lord, Rebecca and her family and how these were a bunch of manipulators. These these people were uh, not upfront. They were not particularly honest, you know, and, and I mean, think about it, even though that was a part of their culture back then, but I mean, you just let a servant come and just pay you off and you send your daughter off. But anyway, it was something about them and something in them. And it's not as obvious in these chapters as it is, as we get through more of the chapters around them that you see that that underlying theme uh, that thread that's running through their family is is manifest. So, so Rebecca goes back and she marries Isaac. And so Isaac, he did something real significant. And I feel that this was to demonstrate his um, uh, approval of Rebecca. He took her to his mother's house to his mother's room and to me that was that signified uh his alignment and approval and satisfaction with what that servant had done and and bringing her back uh and so that to me was a demonstration that he was he was uh uh embracing her and so they said that he loved her he loved her and so he embraced her he loved her and he married her. And so after that, a few scriptures down, then uh, Abraham remarried. And I don't know why I got aggravated by that. But anyway, he remarried and had a bunch of little kids and all of that. But one of the things about Abraham that I thought was key was that he, he preserved those two parts of the blessing exclusively for Isaac. So even though all of his riches, all of the cattle, all of the agriculture, everything that he owned, he uh, he um, experienced it while he was alive. He, he the quality of his living, you know, he 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 lived a good life and he allowed his children to. But the inheritance was preserved for his son and the blessing was preserved for his son. So I think I'm going I'm to use them two buckets, Mary, as we move on. The two buckets, one was the inheritance and the other was the blessing. And so the inheritance means all of, all of this you see that I got, that I own, all of that, that belong to you when I'm gone. But I got to die for you to get it. And then the blessing was you're going to get you're going to be the father of many nations. And, and these promises that God gave me, uh, through me to you, you're going to get. So he preserved all of that for Isaac. And so he decided, uh, and we already talked about that, didn't we? That he didn't want him to, to mix with the Canaanites, right? And so he gave him all of his blessings. So eventually Abraham passed on. And so he was then uh, united or reunited with his wife in death. 
and which is funny to me because you don't remarry somebody and then you're going to get buried next to your ex-wife. I mean, what kind of stuff is that? Where's the, where's the other wife going to get buried at? But anyway, he did it. So, you know, I ain't happy with all the things Abraham did, but he did that too. So, uh, what, what point was I making? <laughs> okay. Uh, did I already talk about how he he didn't own any land except that that lot of land that he purchased to be able to bury his wife? He had ownership of that. He had possession of the other land, but he owned that lot. And that's very significant because, as you see, uh, Isaac had ownership before he died. Uh, You know, uh, uh, Jacob had ownership before he died, you know, so so those are some significant keys, you know, to, to take into account. And so where was I? Okay, so Jacob, so now dad is gone and he owns, I mean, he possesses Canaan, right? He's there. They're prospering. They have what belongs to them. And so Rebecca, right? So he's 40 years old when he met Rebecca. 20 years later was when Rebecca uh, gave birth to her child, her her first uh, set of children, which they happened to be twins. But the key thing was his wife actually suffered the same condition as his mother, if you think about it. Because Sarah, she couldn't, she was barren or she thought she was barren and she didn't have a child for a long time. And the same thing happened to Rebecca, but Isaac went and he prayed to God and God blessed Rebecca with twins. And so these twins were cutting up and acting up so bad in the womb. Rebecca said, look, I'm sick of this. I'm ready to die. She was going through so much with them uh, fighting on the inside. And so she went to God and she said, what, what is going on here? And he said, you have two nations on the inside of you, two nations, and they're fighting for uh, territory, for victory, for, you know, to determine who's going to come out first, right? So they were battling to see who would be victorious And so the Bible says that when Esau came out, because the twins were Esau and Jacob, and when Esau came out, he was a little hairy red thing, and he came out first, but they said that Jacob came out with his his fist on the heel of Esau's foot. And so in my mind, even though this is not biblical, this is just me not believing stuff, and my Holy Ghost, I... uh, theology, right? (laughs) I believe that Jacob probably always was intended to be first, but Esau got the better of him and he came out first. That's why Jacob had his fist on his foot because he probably was, he probably was getting with him and you know, Hey, he was the bigger brother. But anyway, so Esau came out. So Esau got the first half, remember it was two promises, two pieces, the inheritance and the blessing. And so Esau coming out first, he was automatically entitled to the inheritance. 
the blessing was left to the discretion of the father. God had given uh, this promise to Abraham, I mean, to Isaac through Abraham. And so now he has his sons and through tradition, the oldest son is who would receive the inheritance. That's just the automatic. But the blessing would go to who the father preferred. So as they got older, Esau got hungry. And so, oh, this is what we learned about Esau. Esau was a, uh, what did we say, Mary? He was a gamesman. He was he was a hunter. He was. Right. I I believe that. Yeah. I really honestly believe that because just the way things play out. Right. And it's almost like watching a um uh not a mystery but a which, Suspense. A suspense, watching a suspense movie, and then you go back and you piece the pieces together, and you're like, "Oh, this always should should have been the way that it went." And huh? They they did, they did, but the the promise was taken. So while Abraham, I mean, um, Esau was able to go make things on his own, he still never reached the potential of Jacob, who became Israel, who became the one who, according to the Bible, lived out the promise that God had given him. And and in the scripture, it says that uh, uh, Abraham, not Abraham, Isaac's sons, that the, the younger, I mean, that the son would be the um, servant of the brother, you know. So he ultimately, yes, Esau, and even if you think about it, Ishmael, Ishmael, when, when you talk about Isaac and um, Ishmael, he went off and he prospered, but he didn't prosper to the extent that Isaac did. And Esau and Jacob, and Jacob did, I mean, uh, Esau did not prosper to that extent, but so when they were babies, they fought to get out the womb. Esau came out first, and then Jacob followed. And then when they got a little bit older, Esau was hungry. So he sold his, or he bartered his birthright, which was the, the given blessing. He bartered his birthright to his younger brother. And so when he did that, Isaac had the birthright, but Rebecca, this mother, Rebecca came because this is what I believe. I believe that 
because of who Isaac was and because of how the parents passed down the knowledge of who God was, Rebecca believed. She believed what she heard. She believed what she experienced. She believed what she knew about God. And because of that and her manipulative nature, and because she favored her son, the youngest son, over the older son, she decided that she was going to manipulate things in her younger son's favor. And her husband had gotten to a point where he could no longer see. He didn't have, you know, the faculties of his mind. He wasn't the person that he used to be. And so she concocted this plan to be able to steal the blessing. Now, it wasn't enough that this joker done stole the birthright. Now, she knew that her husband was nearing his death. And she wanted to make sure that the younger son received the blessing from the father before he expired. And so she came up with this plan. She said, look, son, I want you to go and pretend like you your older brother because I know your daddy already about to give him the blessing, but I want you to have it. Go in there and you just feed him some food and, and you know, give him whatever. And, you know, Jacob being smart, he was like, well, wait a minute. My brother is airy. I'm not. My face is bare. My dad's going to know it. And not only is he going to know that I'm, not my brother. He gonna think I'm playing games, and I'm just—I'm not gonna just be out of a birthright. I'm gonna be out of his favor. Ain't no telling what my dad is gonna do. And so she said, "Oh, don't worry about it. Just go on and put some some what she put on or some goat skin or something like that, so you can feel woolly, and just you know, uh, go in there and do what I told you to do, so you can get this blessing." And so he went in there and did it. And the thing that got me about uh, Isaac is a couple of things. Number one, everybody in that house knew who the cook was. So you already know Esau didn't know how to cook, but you tasting his food like it's all good. Okay, whatever. The second part was you gonna tell him, come on over here so I can smell you. What? That, who wanna smell a hunter? He was thinking. And then you had the nerve to say, ooh, he smell like fresh what did it say? Outdoors or something. I don't know what the heck. I'm like, what in the world? So all of this stuff leads me to believe that while Isaac was, I think he was deceived, but I don't think he was completely deceived. It was something in you that knew who, who your son was. I mean, I just couldn't imagine. I know the difference between my kids, you know. And so, um, but anyway, so he pulled it off. And when he can't, well, no, maybe I got to take, I got to take that back because the scripture does say, (laughs) when when, when Esau came in there and he came to feed his father and to get the pronouncement of the blessing because he had rushed out to go get his food, come back. And when he came to, to give him the food, they said Isaac was so mad, he was shaking. He was so mad. He was angry. He said, your brother just got your... I just blessed him, and I can't take the blessing back. And see, that's the thing that I said Rebecca knew. She knew that. 
And she knew, and, and, and because God is a God who cannot go back on his word, Isaac, as a representation of the promise, he couldn't go back on his word once he had given the blessing out. And so Esau got so mad, he cried to the daddy, but he was so pissed, he said, I'm going to kill you. He told his brother, he was like, I hate you, I'm going to kill you. He hated his brother, he couldn't stand him. And so uh Isaac, I mean, not Isaac, who I'm talking about now, Jacob, Jacob told his mama, he was like, I got to get up out of here because Esau really is going to kill me for what I did. But before he left, his father gave him wisdom and he said, I don't want you messing with these Canaanite women. Don't even deal with them. I want you to go back to, you know, where your mama from, where, where I'm from. And I want you to find you a wife, just Have like my daddy sent me. Rachel or Rebecca? Rebecca. Wait a minute. Rebecca is, is his mama. Yeah, I think he said Rachel. Re- oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I meant Rebecca. Okay, Rebecca is Isaac's wife, Isaac and Rebecca. And then um, Jacob's wife is Leah and, and Rachel. But what happened with them is, okay, now, now he done ran off to his uncle's house. And then the uncle more crooked than the daddy. And so the uncle was like, oh, come on, come on, nephew. I got you. Uh, he like, all right, unc, I'm coming to spend some time with you. And so he had him come to live with him. And he was living there for so long. And he said, well... I can't just have you here and doing all of these things and I don't um, uh, pay you. But I'm, I'm slowing down because the one part of the story, remember that kind of tripped me out, was that you done ran from your brother, scared that he gonna kill you. You get to your, your father or your grandfather's land to go find your wife and these people telling you, well, that boulder over there, you know, that rock over there, we got to wait for everybody to get here so we can move the rock out the way. And Rebecca, I mean, not Rebecca, Rachel come up behind you and you see her and you go over there and move that rock by yourself. Boy, you could have stayed there and fought your brother and y'all would have worked it out and, and got over it eventually. No, I'm just playing. But the strength, the strength that he had, it, it was just amazing because... Not only did he have the strength to to move that rock, he became a blessing to that land. So his very presence there. So this is Jacob. Now, Jacob, who now has the birthright, he now has the blessing. So he's got the inheritance and the blessing. And now he is being a blessing to the land that he's at. And God is allowing them to prosper and so with um, uh, Jacob, now with Laban, Laban is saying, well, I got to pay you, you know, for the time that you spend here. And and I ain't going to call him no pimp, but ain't that how pimps act? I'm going to give you a little something, you know, for what you're doing so he can lure you into, oh, man, well, if I do more work, you're going to pay me more. And, and then... If you pay me more, then I owe you more work, you know, and that's basically what he did to him. He said, I'm going to pay you, 
what do I owe you? And he said, well, for you to stay here and keep working at this level, I really want to pay you, so what can I give you? Not knowing who he was dealing with, Jacob said, well, I I need a wife. I want a wife. And I like your daughter, uh, Rachel, because your daughter Leah, she got a funny eye. You know, the Bible talks about she had a, some people say she had a weak eye. And so he wound up uh, tricking him into working seven more years. And so he got so far into it. And he said, look, I'm giving you all these years. I'm ready to go back to my father's land. I'm ready to go back and do for my family and all of this stuff. And Laban, look, I've been a blessing to you. Laban said, I know enough about the God you serve that I'm not even going to hold you. If you ready to go, I'm ready to let you go. But this, I was about to call him a word. This person had one more trick up his sleeve. He said, "Well, what can I give you? What can I pay you? You know, as a as a as a um, uh, reasonable wage for all of the stuff that you've done and 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 what you brought." He said, "Just you ain't got to give me nothing else. Just give me the spotted calf that that you have and sheep and." and cattle and all of that stuff. I just wanted the spot. I want the spotted ones, the ones that you really don't want, you know, so just give them to me. I'll be about my way. I'll take both of your daughters off your hand and we'll go and and live our lives. This jerk, meaning Laban, went and before Jacob could go and start divvying up or before he divvied up the, the cattle or whatever, he went and took all of the spotted animals and hid them away with one of his sons. And so uh, Jacob, being his father's son, knowing he knew a better way, he went and made it so he produced, he made he made the animals produce the spotted, uh, you know, uh, spots or whatever because basically what Jacob was telling him he said I'm a man of integrity I'll take the spotted ones because that way you'll know if if I took more than my share you know and so Laban with his slick but he said okay well I'm gonna take all the spotted ones out the equation but I forgot what it was that, that Jacob did but it was something with a branch or something I forgot but however he did it huh Yeah, yeah, and so made them produce, produce those um, that that you know whatever. So he left, and so uh, they they took. And I don't think we got this far, so I ain't gonna talk it. I don't think we. I don't think I heard it up until thirty. But um, but anyway, so he he we had to. I think even before that was when they were having the children, right? So they, they had all of their children. Leah had her children. 
she had some of her handmaidens make some babies for her. Ray, uh, Rachel had her handmaiden make some babies for her. Then she wound up having her sons. And so if you follow, Jacob is Israel. So the 12 tribes of Israel came from Jacob. And the one thing that... Um, and I don't know, I, I don't forget now, I don't think we, we went over this, but if not, we'll go over it next week. But the one thing with um, Rachel was that uh, we didn't, we didn't talk about this. Laban, they had stolen, somebody had stolen uh, a piece of jewelry or something significant from Laban uh, and he 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 wanted it returned, but he was ready to kill whoever did it, right? And, and to bring judgment against them. And so Jacob, like, <laughs> I ain't take nothing of yours. So you can search whoever or whatever, whenever. He thinking it's still another game Laban trying to play. And so Rachel, when he went to look in her room. She told him that she was on her cycle, that he couldn't check her. And she actually had whatever it was that was taken. And so the key thing that I took away from this was Jacob had made a a declaration to Laban. And he said, whoever took it, let him die. He said, whoever took it, let him die. And that's how confident he was that nobody in his camp had taken it, but he didn't know. That's why I'm real careful when I, when somebody do something to me or I get mad, I get real careful about saying stuff and speaking stuff out of my mouth for this very example that God gave us. Because sometimes you don't know who did what. And I'm sure he didn't know what we know because we read in the Bible, he living it. And what wind up happening is Rachel wind up dying during childbirth, uh, uh, you know, after that. So, you know, hey, he said it was going to happen. He declared it out of his mouth as a man of God, and it happened, you know. But anyway, what else did we read, Mary? Uh, what am I missing? I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, as we went through 30. I think I think that's enough for tonight. And then we can go into the to the questions, but I, I think that was as much as, as I can get into uh tonight because I think I walked us through everything right am I missing something yeah all right well that was all I had for tonight even though we got we didn't get through the through none of the questions we gonna do that Thursday y'all good with that still have Bible study Mary what you want to say about what you learned oh First, the, what stood out to me most is God always keeps his promises. 
because he kept the promise with Abraham and he kept, from our theory, the promise of Jacob getting that birthright. And uh, Derek, did you get a chance to to read anything, or you want to reflect on? Because these are these are uh, Sunday school stories too, right? Y'all, y'all done heard in the past. Yeah, I think uh, get confusing but whenever you hear because we we say a lot of cast things in in the church and I was just thinking earlier today like the Bible is so rich that even as God has taken us through this journey I'm glad that he has because I don't feel like my Christian walk is as fulfilled by understanding fragmented parts of the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like throughout my Christian experience, it's just been me learning pieces and bits and pieces, even though I went to school for theology and I learned the Old Testament survey, New Testament survey. I learned how to study the Bible. I learned, you know, different scriptures and that stuff. Some of it really, I, I, I lost until I started getting back into the word, but just learning the word like for real in full context is it just takes my faith or my walk to a more significant level. But in the church, we always hear about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, you know, and not really understanding the story behind you know, okay, I know Abraham was the father of many nations, but my God, what a story he had, you know, and, and Isaac, you know, my view of him typically is just focused on him being sacrificed. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the forerunner of my thought about Isaac, but he was a great man. Like he was a, he, he was a significant pillar of the, the foundation of the blessing that God is allowing us to live out. And not only that, just knowing, I personally believe that the history that we're reading now in the Old Testament is our history. Like our, as Africans, as, you know what I'm saying, as, as people who came from the original you know, origin of, of, of life being in Africa, I feel like that's our lineage. Like I'm learning about my ancestors, you know, when I read about Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob and just knowing their beginnings, you know, so, so it's, it is so significant to me, but the key points to take out of the story is that going back to where we started tonight was the story about God's promise to Abraham and Sarah and how he allowed them 
to see that promise manifest through Isaac. And so in giving them the promise of Isaac, he used the same thing that he blessed them with to test them with. And so he tested their faith by asking or commanding uh, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And so in my opinion, I believe that that very act of sacrificing Isaac caused Sarah to lose her life in a sense that she just couldn't bear the pain of losing her son, not knowing that God had already made provision to where the son, even though the sacrifice was made, but Abraham, I mean, but Isaac was not the sacrifice. He had a, a ram in the bush. He had another burnt offering that could be offered up to God on his behalf. And then Isaac grew up and he didn't marry a woman from the land where they were, a Canaanite. He married a woman from his father's home uh, land and he found Rebecca. And Rebecca had a brother Laban and both of them together, to me, they were some riffraps. And as far as I'm concerned, they were dishonest people. But they married into the lineage. And Rebecca had a child, or she had two children. And God let her know that she had two nations in her womb that were fighting for, you know, power over the other and so that's where you have Esau and Jacob and the story about the birthright and how Esau gave his birthright up to his brother for something that wasn't even worth it you know so but anyway hope hopefully that little bit helped a little <laughs> to clear it up a little bit but yeah All right, well, we got some discussion questions for Thursday. So y'all can go back and listen again, 21 through 30. So y'all will be the teachers on Thursday. (laughs) All right, love y'all. All All right, love y'all. All right. All right, bye-bye.